All right. Da, 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 da. <clears throat> I mean, if, you, if you'd seen the move there with Bob, you'd know. <laughs> I think we've established on this show I don't watch movies. He's looking at you, kid. You're going to need a bigger potion. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close I'll have what she's having. Boss will be with you. Always. I'm feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. A one, a two, you know what to do. Key music. Hey, everybody, this is Gone with the Wind. I'm your host, Manning. <laughs> I'm your host, Manning Franks, the uh, host of the podcast, Gone with the Wind, the show about award shows where we talk about, you guessed it, award shows. And I have uh, a fantastic opening from our lovely panelists today, uh, Malcolm. Welcome, Malcolm. Welcome back. Hello. <laughs> the classic, oh, the classic hello from Malcolm. You gotta love it. I love it. I missed it. Uh, missed you, man. And then, hey, welcome back, sir. What up? What up? Hi. How are you doing? I'm the good. Classic, classic open from Abe. Love you, Abe. All right, we have a special guest today in Matt Kearns. Welcome, Matt, to the Gone with the Wind show. Welcome back once again to like your third time now, right? I think fourth. Let me see. I was on, I was on Daniel, Daniel Craig Bond one, Craig, and that was it. You somehow did not invite me back to celebrate the legacy of Sean Connery. Somehow, but, were you yeah. were you on the Star Wars one as well? So, oh my God, that's right. A Rise of Skywalker <laughs> review last year. Okay, so that's four. So I think is, because is that was more a Rise of Skywalker review and not a Gone with the Wind. I yes, guess that's why I didn't really. But yeah. Oh. Hey, but I, you know what? Hey, since we haven't got a chance to do it because we've been so busy, we're going to quickly talk about it because I know we've all watched it, right? The Mandalorian, guys, it's over. Hey, remember yeah. when we were supposed to do a Listen, time, time, time is a construct that hasn't occurred. <laughs> time is nearly a construct now. We have never got a chance to do it. <laughs> I have been busy. You've been busy. Day. I can't even uh. said chat your day, and you know, I was like, I'd, I'd love the last thing is I figured Manning just being like, all right, so I guess we'll review episode two next week. And <laughs> never got around to that. Uh, okay, I mean, so. I'll, I'll be, I'll be able to go to do something on late night. Um, yeah. We never did. Okay. Well, you know what? Guys, we're here now. Wait, Abe, have you watched the second season of The Mandalorian? I watched the first episode and the last uh, 15 minutes of the last. He pulled a um he pulled a high school English student to where he read the, the first chapter and the last Facts. chapter and he kind of just filled in the blanks. Straight I did that back. with Huxton when I was in high school. You know what I, I watch on Disney Plus? I don't watch shit. I only watch the Simpsons. But anyway, all right, yeah. so uh welcome guys again. This is episode Gone with the Wind. This is gonna be the last show before, of course, the new year. Wait. Christmas, I guess. Maybe New Year. I can't say New Year. Possibly, we'll see. But it's the last one before the Christmas season comes to a close. And then we're going to get into, hopefully, the New Year, the 2021. We're going to look 2020 behind us. We'll never have to look at it again. Goodbye. Sayonara. Arvidazane. Goodbye. Farewell. So, thankfully, we will have to finally never have to see that those two numbers together ever again, except when we're getting our eyes checked. And hopefully, <laughs> we'll have 2020 vision then and never again concerning years uh but regardless thank you guys again for joining on this episode um we're gonna quickly kind of talk about what movies we've seen so far so uh matt as our guest would you like to go and say you know what 
I'm making the executive decision as the host. What did you think of the Mandalorian season two? We're going to take a quick few minutes and we're going to talk about it right here to make sure that has been fulfilled. Okay. And then we'll talk about movies we've seen. Yes. Okay. Uh, I have the power. So we're talking about the whole thing or just finale? Season two. Just season Season two. two. Yeah. Um, Season two, I thought was some of the best Star Wars I've seen out of Disney. I, I think it... Like season one, I, I think it proved that Dave Filoni and John Favreau, you know, they, I don't want to say write the ship because I feel like for me, they write, write it the ship. Because I know there are a lot of people who love the sequel trilogy. I was really the only fan of Rise of Skywalker. This was Star Wars that I loved. And considering I wasn't a huge fan of the first two episodes of Mandalorian season one, and I ended up watching most of season one binging. This was my first experience with hmm. having to wait week to week, which, and so for streaming, this is the first time I've ever had that. And I really enjoyed it um, because I, I enjoyed like trying to think, uh, you know, oh, who's the Jedi? Who's this? You know, all, um, yeah, I thought Boba Fett, Ahsoka, all all those characters integrated extremely well. I thought the action scenes were great. But I think at its core, it just had a really great Star Wars story. And it continued that story of Din and, and Grogu. Um, spoiler and alert. Of course, we get, we get to the... Are we able to talk about spoilers? Or? No, please, yeah, it's over. If, okay. if, if, if y'all have seen it... <laughs> We get to that finale, and I was wait. Well, mind- just in case, spoilers, guys. We're talking about that now. All right, now you go. Come yeah. Back. Um, I was of two minds when there's the episode when they go to the like temple thing, which, by the way, Tamara Morris just f- killed it as Boba Fett in that whole thing. Um, but I was of two minds. I thought it might be Luke, but I also thought it might be another Jedi. I was like, maybe they don't want to do that. I thought I was actually thinking I got convinced it was going to be Cal Testis from Fallen Order, and I thought that'd be a cool sort of thing. But that X Wing comes in, and just it's Luke Skywalker just wrecks shop, and and I thought that was going to be the highlight of the episode for me. But then I follow it up with that ending between Din and Grogu. And him taking the house was so, the music, and it was so perfect. And I said this on Twitter, and I'll reiterate here, watching that finale, I feel what I think fans in 1980 felt walking out of Empire, which is excited, like kind of sad, but also just, I can't wait to see where this story goes from here. Uh, so yeah, so those were my thoughts on season two. It was incredible. Malcolm, your thoughts? Um, yeah. Um, like overall, like I thought, scene two was fine. Like, um, there were, I mean, as long as I got used to the format of them, of each episode sort of being like a side quest, um, sort of thing, um, in video games. So, and when I saw they were going to, they were kind of in that same kind of um format. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm used to what they did, um. But yeah, I mean, um, it made me care about it made me care about Boba Fett. Um, like, yes. I never really yes. cared much about the character Boba Fett. Uh, I never with, uh, but like, but Tim Morrison just killed it. Um, 
Uh, I was actually one that was disappointed with the fact they used Luke in the finale, um, partly because um, one I really hated the DAG and he looked just as bad. As, uh, I mean, like he looked just as bad, if not worse, than Leia and Tarkin and Rogue One. <laughs> um, but um, but also it's like it's one of those ones like. Um, I was kind of hoping it wasn't going to be. I wasn't going. To, it was going to be losing. It was going to be a different Jedi sort of doing scouting on behalf of Luke. Um, just because it just seemed too convenient, just for it to be Luke to be the one to follow up. But it was fine. I mean, I really loved the whole um, end post credit scene with Boba Fett. Can I just real quick my thoughts on the aging yes. face? I think. I've come to realize that I just don't really pay attention to effects. It's like I watch Justice League and I don't really see the, the stash taking away. Really? I Tarkin and Leia and I'm fine with it. Interesting. I It wasn't the greatest thing in the world. I think definitely what they did in Rise of Skywalker in that flashback sequence for Luke looked better. But yes. I was talking with my friend Paul about this. I think it was a smart choice to do that because if they say, let's just say, they had Sebastian Stan as Luke, which who doesn't want him to play Luke? He was blowing movie? up Twitter I, the, day uh, of, the, day, the day of. If they had another actor, when he pulls the cloak off, he would have had to have this awkward moment of like saying he's Luke Skywalker. Like with that face, you didn't have to have that and you got to just have the moment. Because without, I mean, yeah, sure, you could have had Dim being like, who are you? Oh, I'm Luke Skywalker. But it just, to me, I like you. It just it just flowed better, and also I mean Mark Hamill got to you know I mean he was in the body, but it was the voice and was his face. I just I, I... also um, as my as my brother pointed out the other day, how awkward that scene be if Boba Fett was in that room as well. Everybody's talking about that. <laughs> so quickly, my thoughts on it. I I I I've had a love. Well, hate is wrong word. I thought I love man relationship with the Mandalorian. The format is one I've never been the biggest fan of. I understand they're going back to classic uh, Buck Rogers serials back in the day, and I understood that. Uh, you listen to like an old like I know back in the day when we used to drive to, um, across states with my dad, uh, he had on his app uh, like you know The Shadow or Suspense, some old classic serials that he would play, and it was a contained story every time. This one worked, but it made me. The, it didn't flow the best, in my opinion, um, when it came to telling the story. The best moments of this is when we got to explore the relationship most between uh, Din and uh, Grogu, as we know him now. No longer Baby Yoda, or officially the child. He has Grogu, which is a very befitting name, I might add. I think that this movie, or the movie, this series knew exactly what it was, and it succeeded that beautifully. And while I may not have been on board completely with the style that, that which they did it, the execution was spot on. And that first opening, I remember of season two, where that one where they have, um, um, oh no, what's what's the guy's what's the guy's name who had the armor but not Boba Fett? Oh my goodness, oh, I'm uh, thinking the guy uh, from the aftermath, Cobb Vance. Aftermath. Cobb Vance, thank you. Yeah, uh, from the Cobb, aftermath books. Yeah. Um, having that come in and little sprinkle stuff like that thrown throughout that was a nice little treat for Star Wars fans until ultimately we had some great episodes like you know 
um, uh, the return. I can't remember the name titles of each episode, but like seeing the return of Boba Fett in action, which again, he was always a great costume. And as someone who never really read the uh, EU, formerly uh, formerly the EU, now Legends. But basically, I'm looking forward to like seeing also Ahsoka was really cool. Seeing her actually in action was very cool. Uh, I think it really shined when we got to really get to the deepness of the characters. I wish we had more moments to let the characters breathe and less... This is going to be really weird. I wish we had a little less action. Um, but this is I, in Star Wars, let's put less action and more characters. But that's just me. Um, I wish, though, that um, uh, uh, we got to experience more of Din just in his relationship with Grogu, which we got through anecdotal moments in these episodes, but I would have uh, preferred less planet hopping and more and less side quests and more one arching yeah. main quest. But I say with what they did, I really did enjoy it. And it was like a Saturday morning serial every time, but it was Friday morning this time. So I really do enjoy it. I'm looking forward to what Boba Fett can do because I was all on board. Every time Boba Fett came back on, they had the seismic charges. I got giddy. I got excited. I got like a little nerdish schoolboy and I was very happy. Yeah. I mean, one thing that really, I, I really marked out for was when they had um, Boba Fett say um, Jango's line from Attack of the I'm Clones. I'm man trying to make my way in the universe like my father. <laughs> I have to say though talking about that scene with Bo I thought that was so cool when he's referring to his father and she's like oh you mean your donor and it's like I've heard I've heard your voice thousands of times if you keep this up it's the last voice you're gonna that scene and then he starts fighting with I I don't know the name of her like right hand person but that scene was so awesome I loved it so um, much it oh, was, what was it her was name sweet. I I I know was the one that Thanks. Yes. Yeah, it's Sasha Banks. I, I, I don't know I the can't character. Name. Name. I, but that scene was so character. cool when they start fighting uh, in the that little canteen area. That was that was awesome. And then of course the how could we? I mean that the fight between Moff Gideon and Din was just well choreographed, incredibly well choreographed. Well choreographed. It was just so. Ah, man, it's a, it, it reminded me of the previsible mall fight from Clone Wars. Like, just really, just like, it's not so much who wins, it's who slips up first. And obviously, Gideon uh, slipped up first. Which, by the way, I hate Gideon even more than I did in, like, the final episode. Especially when you get to the Darksaber. He's such a, like, he's, he's like, about to oh, shoot a baby. she can't take. I'm like, oh, just shut up. Shut up. Oh, horrible man. Horrible man for doing yeah, that. Yeah, what's wrong with him? That's just mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, the last thing that I, I, I will say, because um, the man always might be nominated for Oscars, um, is I really yeah. want a series of showing Grogu's training. Um, so that's so funny what happens to him by the time we get the sequel trilogy. Because, it's going to um, be a book or some comic at some point. All right, so that is our discussion for The Mandalorian Season 2. Now, of course, this is not a Star Wars podcast. This is, in fact, a Oscars and award shows and kind of general movies podcast. And The Mandalorian is definitely not a uh, movie. <laughs> not a movie. <laughs> However, we wanted to get that out there because we would talked about it for so long. And you know what? We're already here. I mean, let's just do it. So why not? So quickly, what movies have you all seen before we get into the uh, New York Film Critics Circle Awards, as well as the Los Angeles Film Critics have announced their winners these past week for their little critics 
well, not little, they're large critics association, but that's neither here nor there. So tell me, uh, Abe, we're going to start with you since you did not have too much to add for the uh, 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 Mandalorian. Tell us, what movies have you seen during this time in the month of December that you would like to highlight or talk about? Uh, okay, give me a second. Because I watched, well, I haven't watched that much. Uh, I watched The Fruits 2, A New Era. I haven't oh. watched it, but it was cool. I watched uh, Happy Season, the Christmas Stewart and Mackenzie Davis movie. And it was fine. <laughs> no, honestly, like, I watched Wonder Woman yesterday. How did you, okay, tell us how. Oh, you don't follow Eve on Twitter, I guess. I gotta say, I haven't checked. I've checked. I've been on my. I haven't followed my personal email. Oh. I'm using my work email, so please tell us. I. I don't think it's the, as great as Sad. a movie. No, like, it's good. It's pretty damn good. I don't think it's great, and that's the thing. I think that my experience overall was great because I was attached to the movie the whole time. Like, it made me feel. And I think that's the point of cinema. Like, I've said it again and again here. Like, if a movie makes you feel something, like angry, happy, sad, whatever, it made it. They accomplished their... Agreed. Well, I think they yeah. they accomplished their purpose. And watching Wonder Woman was like, I just felt normal for the first time. You know, I've been to the theater 10 times since October. And every time I went to the movies, it just felt weird like not seeing someone else's face. And there was a time that I just forgot like anything was going on. Like I just thought I was like back in, I don't know, February, March and everything was normal. I was enjoying a movie. I was happy watching it. And you know, and, and I put this in my letterbox review. I wrote a paragraph. Like I haven't given a movie a five-star rating like say in 2016. Dang. That's, that, that's, since I first watched the bridge on the river Kwai. That's a that's and a I give Wonder Woman five. Yeah, and, and it's not like I'll say it like you see it maybe you don't No, you don't I understand what you're saying, Abe. It. It's like the there's I I'm kind because of I was just happy. Like I was happy the whole time. I was smiling. Oh my god, Patty <laughs> Jenkins. Like she stepped up, like I think like she understand what she did in the first one. Like, just step it up. Or maybe they just gave her more freedom to do whatever she wanted. Uh, also, the Hans Zimmer score. Are you guys hearing me correct? I can hear you, yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think Hans Zimmer score, like, I think this must be his best score scene. Wait, Dunker's score was pretty damn good. I, I just love this movie. And I love the experience. And I love, like, it, I, it just makes me happy. Like, I'm going to go watch it. What time is it? Probably gonna go watch it tomorrow because it's late right now. It presented you with an experience, and that's something that I think is very, very important because you know the movies are about encapsulating an experience of the moment and the time and period. And if while you can appreciate a movie aesthetically and be like, "This was a very well-made movie," if it doesn't stir any emotion, it failed as a movie to me personally. Did it make you think? Did it make you feel? Did it make you do both of them at the same time? If the answer is neither, I don't think it succeeded as a film. However, if you're saying that this movie, Wonder Woman 19, 1984, did in fact do that, then it succeeded as a film while it may not have succeeded on all technical merits, including screenwriting, acting, what have you. I still say that's the same and thing you know that Wonder what? Woman did. 
the last first one. I think it managed so to not perfect. I think it was a perfect yeah. movie going experience. Go ahead, Abe. Yeah, it's like I watched the 1978 Superman like two years ago for the first time. It's exactly that same feeling that you feel when you watch the movie. Like you just feel happy, like joy, like coupleness, whatever. It's just that, and that's the movie. And right, there's, oh my god, you guys should watch it. that movie. <laughs> Yeah, more so, more so than all the like, critics going like it's the best DC movie since the Dark Knight. I literally went on Twitter. I'm like, that is a pointless f- review for me to hear. That yeah, like, I only, like maybe if I rewatch it and put a critical eye on it, like of the knowledge I haven't seen, what will be like, I'll find flaws, of course. But like, I I wasn't I was never thinking that. I was just staring at this thing happen, and I think that's the point of every film or. You know, I felt, and that was that's my. So I hope when Manning edits this, he puts some like really like beautiful royalty free like inspirational music under that whole thing of age. I will find something to route for us to rouse to. I'll I'll just put the I'll just put the Dunkirk theme. (laughs) Um, but no, thank you for doing that. And I I don't. The thing is, no movies are open where where I am right now. Um, so like. The movie theaters are open in the vicinity. I have to go drive a little bit if I want to go find something. Yeah. Um, but I'm not expecting to see any movie until probably next year. But that's okay. It's been a whole movie since the month of February. It's been a whole year since the month of February since I've seen a movie in theaters. And it hurts me physically. Yeah, it's been March for me. But uh, no, no, October. Because I went to see Goldfinger when it got re-released in my theater. But that was the last. Because I went there and I was like, I don't want to say anything about my theater I believe they took things safe. It was more just me sitting in that theater, wearing my mask. Everyone was wearing the mask, social distance. There were like three other yeah. people in that theater with me, but there was some, some me. I just went, I don't think, I don't think this is time for me to be going back to the movies every week, which sucks because that. they're releasing yeah. a lot of movies I love. You were like, about that, like, I actually felt safer like going to a movie theater than I. That when going grocery shopping or something no, like I'll, that. I'll agree with that. I think it's just for me, it's more just the um, because when I do go like out for groceries and stuff like that, or I'm usually like in and out. Whereas, like, yes, agree. I was there in that seat. The only time I got up was when I had to use the facilities. And so that was more my thing, was just the like, I'm just sitting in here with three people who There's we don't no know where they are. And where I don't know, you know, that was that's just me. I'm not saying anything in the theater. That's just my own simple. And thing. I agree. That I is one different. Also, I went for Sean. R.I.P. Sean. Um, and I, I do, and I do think that that is a very for me personally. That's why I also, if it didn't did open, I wouldn't go until at least there are numbers, especially right now, were going down because for those people, obviously, who aren't paying attention, the numbers are very, very high right now, and high ICU yeah. beds are crowding up ridiculously at this point. And stay I home, know- wear a mask. Stay just home. Don't just guys. Just like look, we all four of us on here. We love movies. We adore them. But like, just like if you can avoid being out around people, just do it. Like, trust me. Just stay home. 
Yeah, especially during these next two weeks, it is it is highly, highly, highly encouraged for you guys to stay home for family. If this, fa if your family does not sit, live in your house or is not super close to you, uh, like my grandparents, they don't live in the same house, but we help take care of them. Um, like, don't, do not have strangers or extended family over. And I am encouraging that because I'm having that conversation with my family right now. Uh, do not do that. And I want to make that a statement for Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Do not for this Christmas and New Year's. Do not, do not, please. It is I'm, one year for all the sake of others. I, I'm going to um, reiterate, I don't know who said it, where I heard it from, but I'm going to reiterate this. We might be done with COVID, but COVID is not done with us. Like, facts. facts. It's not. Like, we're all finished and we're all tired. I just got, I was supposed to go back to the office January 4th. Just got the email. Uh, it's being pushed back to March 1st. Like, the, I like working from home, but I also hate working from home because my job ah, My job sucks now working from home. It's so different, and I don't get to see anyone. I'm just stuck in a room by myself for several hours, which, I mean, I do that when I'm home, but that's a life choice at that point. <laughs> I'm just saying, wear a mask and stay home, or else Vinny and Raul will come and find you when it's safe and COVID's free. Because <laughs> they're, they're they even respect the social distancing. Yeah, Vinny's just in the closet right now with Kermit. They haven't <laughs> left. <laughs> uh, or, or, or conversely, just moved to New Zealand. Um, oh yeah, I was gonna say, Mister <laughs> Pete, real weird. I think I don't want to stay out of this. Well, I mean, you can come and you have to quarantine for at least two weeks before you leave, just to make be sure you're okay. free and all that. But other than that, Malcolm, I just have to ask: if they done like um, COVID PSAs with Lord of the Ring characters yet, or or not? You know, no. Like, you know, Hobbit's been like, when we're on the journey to Mordor, we social distance and we wear our masks. <laughs> yes, you're that. wearing first mask, but what about second mask? You shall not pass you this border. You shall not pass for two weeks after and your quarantine. And Alf is at the border, like, saying, <laughs> yes, have you been tested? Have you been tested? A wizard's test is never early. It arrives precisely when it needs to. Usually about a two-day turnaround. <laughs> anyway, okay, but no, I, I, but okay, back on track. But from all that, guys, uh, Malcolm, what have you seen, sir, in Great New Zealand, where they have apparently eradicated COVID? <laughs> um, I'm jealous, sir. Please tell us what have you seen. Well, well, I mean, ap apart from the two moves we're going to be talking about today, anyway, um, Mank and Marine's Black Bottom. Um, like I've seen both of those. Um, just get my diary of movies I've seen. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Malcolm, Malcolm's got the OG um, letter. Nice. I mean, I mean, um, aside from uh, aside from the Christmas movies, um that I've seen sort of this month. Um, like yesterday, I saw Jingle All The Way 2 for the first time because I never knew it existed before then. Um, Why? It exists. I, just like the original Jingle All The Way, I kind of wish it didn't exist. Oh, you shut your mouth. But anyway, um, like other moves I've seen is I saw the Netflix movie The Farm. Um, it's It's I, I actually enjoyed it. Uh, I know it's 
getting a lot of hate and not, not many people really do enjoy it. Um, I saw the uh, Zemeckis remake of The Riches, which I thought was really well done. Um, and yeah, um, and that's um, like most of what I've seen la- lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, let us actually, before we forget, let us talk. We, we'll, we'll save Ma, since Ma Rainey's Black Bottom just came out. We'll give, I, I've only, I've not, I've only gotten halfway through. Um, but, um, I want to save that for next week. So let's go ahead. Like, actually, Matt, you have not watched Mank yet, correct? No. Well, then quickly, uh, Matt, what have you seen that you would like to highlight, uh, movie wise? Um, well, I've been watching, obviously, given the season, I've been watching a lot of Christmas movies. Mm. Um, given circumstances in my life, I've decided to to start watching more alternate Christmas movies. So um, I watched, on Friday, I watched Batman Returns. And then I watched Die Hard 2 again, because I watched that for... Um, for second look this month, I watched Psych the movie, which is technically a Christmas movie. Takes place at Christmas time. Um, I'm saving the greatest alternative Christmas movie, Lethal Weapon, for Christmas. Oh. Um, I haven't watched It's a Wonderful Life yet. Was planning on it yesterday, but once again, things things have happened, and my joy for Christmas has kind of gone away. So I watched Cliffhanger today because it snows. So that's kind of Christmassy. It does. It does snow in the movie. It does. So it's kind of gets. I don't actually know when. I don't think they ever say the time of year that cliffhanger is taking place. It does take place on a mountain. <laughs> so. Hey, no, it could be a Christmas movie. No, snow. Does the movie end on a cliffhanger? That's all I want to know. God, I hate you. No, <laughs> wow. it ends. And it's a perfect beginning, middle, and end. It's a perfect action movie. Directed by Rennie Harlan. Directed yes, Abe. Is Shrek to a Christmas movie? No, Shrek the Holes is a Christmas movie. That's the Shrek. Okay, then I have no watch, no Christmas movie. <laughs> I love my favorite thing. If you guys follow Abe, anytime someone remotely tweets about Shrek 2 or the climax being perfect, Abe retweets them and goes, this guy gets it. Like, you just look at his Twitter. Or about Mamma Mia, here we go again. I ready for this to move. Well, then, let's go take that test. If, after you guys listen to this, uh, uh, tweet at Abe about how great and amazing. There's only one reason why you like Mamma Mia 2, man. And you know what? That's fine. No, no. I honestly, I found myself watching the scenes like for a whole, like almost all night. Like I watched a good five scenes from the movie. I have the first mom with my sister because James Bond's in it, so. Oh, the first mom on me is But the second one is okay. The second, second one's one like the guy on the pipe, too. Okay, so. Letterbox review. We's got an exclusive, right, guy? I don't have a letterbox review. Um, but anyway, all right. So what I have seen personally, uh, I will for just for time's sake, I will kind of keep oh. it down. Um, but from one of the stuff that I got to see was actually through the uh, uh, Lincoln Film uh, Institute, um, or excuse me, uh, Lincoln Film Center. They 
recently announced uh, they were going to partner with some of the movies that have come out earlier this year, and they were going to release them. And I got, I was able to get on that window for the very first day for Nomadland. And Nomadland, I actually thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, um, I think it is truly a movie of what what I called. Um, it feels incredibly empty. The film, the film feels like it's not actually a film, but a documentary. Francis McDormand gives some of her best work. I didn't really care for her. Sorry, everyone, for saying this. I did not care her for for her in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I thought she was good, but she was not amazing and not deserving deserving of the Oscar, in my opinion. However, what she does in Nomadland is something that is so subtle, but at the same time, something so heartfelt and like it 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 hurts and to see her like this about a woman who's not wanting to give up a woman who's not wanting to let go of the past and how she has to traverse across the world because she is in fact a nomad it does feel like a documentary because most of these actors props to them they feel like david statham uh some other people i don't really know um they literally are just people right now who are truly just living in this this moment. They are not actors. They seem like people who have actually lived these lives. And I have to give them give huge chops, including Chloe Zhao, who directed this. She did a phenomenal job and should be credited to this. It's not a movie I'm going to go back and watch and be like, yes, this is one I love. But Nomadland is something I highly recommend people to go see because of the feelings that it evokes. And I think that's a feeling where it made me feel empty and sad on the inside. But but. From a film standpoint, just from a technical masterwork, it's nothing too crazy, but it is something to marvel at. So I'd recommend everyone go see Nomadland when it comes out, I believe, in January. I could be wrong about that, but I believe it could be out wide in January. Because um, I know those tickets went out fast when I tried to after I tried to look up some other things. Because um, I know uh, Mayari, um, more hmm, Morai. Thank you. Uh, the one with uh, Steven Yeun. Um, uh, I can't wait uh, to see that. That that sold out very fast. So uh, I'd recommend y'all go look at the uh, uh, Lincoln Film uh, Center uh, and see exactly. Keep an eye on that page because sometimes they will release films and you can go that have not been released to the general public yet. And I'd recommend you go patron them because you'll be able to get an exclusive screening. Um, Abe, did you raise your hand? Can I ask a question? Yeah. yeah. How much do you have to pay? Because I tried with Nomadland and there were still screens and I couldn't get away like to pay for it. Like huh. I couldn't find it on the webpage. Was it, I don't think it was the Lincoln Center. Yeah, maybe I'm confused. Well, there was this uh, only screen for Nomadland a couple of weeks ago and I tried and I couldn't do it. And that's the, well, according to site that the front runner so I wanted to watch a couple of weeks ago. It is it is the it is officially the uh, film at Lincoln Center Virtual Cinema as it is called. Uh, actually, right now that I'm looking yeah, at it, do they have? Uh, right now, there doesn't appear to be any special stuff that they have at this time, because um, uh, most things I think have already transpired at this point. But I know they have like a few short films. If you all want to go, uh, give that a chance, because um, I'm very just kind of impressed the I fact mean, they like, made that available. Time Bandit. Uh, no, like they just kind of have stuff right now. If you go to the, um, uh, they have a lot of over your head. Festivals. What was that? You said they had a couple of short films, so I said like Willow and Time Bandits. Oh, I, I thought I, I I did not even did not even think <laughs> hear that. Never mind. <laughs> I totally went over my head. But I was thinking like they have a lot of like sh short films and actually like you know very like indie films from film festivals from up and coming artists. So I highly recommend you guys go check out the film at Lincoln Center because some of these are free as well too. And if you want to see some, um, um, some 
support some uh, uh, independent cinema, cinema at this time, specifically for the virtual cinema, I'd recommend go to see that. Um, and I see some other things too, but just for time's sake, I'm going to talk slowly, slowly, uh, quickly. We're not going to talk <laughs> very slowly. We're going to take it very slow. We're going to talk quickly about Mank. So, Malcolm, I know you and I are the only people that have seen Mank, correct? Yes, probably. All right. I was an hour and 20 minutes. Then I had to start. You got halfway done. Yeah, right. I had it. That Watch the for that George Clooney movie that's coming out this week. Midnight Sky. I am excited for that. I am very excited. I that looks pretty sweet. Can we talk about that next week? We will talk about that next week. Not right now. But in the meantime, so Mank. I'm going to give my quick thoughts on Mank right now. Y'all gonna y'all are going to be shocked. I did not like Mank. I, no, well, no one apparently was shocked. I love how Matt just picked up a, a book about Harrison Ford from Newsweek. Okay, so I, I know I haven't completed it, but I was enjoying it for a good amount of it. I thought like what I watched, like Gary Oldman was just fun. And I just love how things are shot. Because when the way he, you know. You know no, I it is shot beautifully. Like yeah. And, and. That was what I love about the adventure, but like, I know you're gonna come, you're gonna continue to say, Why didn't you like it? Because I was having a really good time watching it. I okay, so, needed to yeah, know stuff, so I did, I, I liked <laughs> parts of it, but that was the thing. I kept finding myself pausing it and wanting to go back because I'm like, I just was not invested. The story that was transpiring was one that I was not invested in. I appreciated the world that was created and I wanted to live in that world a little more. I cannot complain about the aesthetic, I cannot complain about the cinematography, I cannot complain about, ah, well, sometimes it was, sometimes the cinematography was a little, little uh, 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 um, I guess this is, this is just my personal opinion over there. I think the cinematography sometimes was a little hazy, but I guess that, that also the effect they were going to. Uh, it could add a little more low light, low light, low lighting whatsoever. But for what they had, I think it was a beautiful cinematography. Fantastic. The sound, it was a small thing that they did, but the sound felt echoey. And it was like those old films back in the day. And I really appreciated that. From an aesthetic standpoint and just an actual movie making practice, David Fincher knocks that out of the park and everyone there should be commended. I think that. The, go ahead. Even the acting feels like that. Like that's it does. Like the acting. Yeah, they're acting like back in the forties. What? Yeah, forties. Yeah, no, and I did feel like that. This wasn't a movie where I felt like you know, um, oh, oh, you know, they're just trying to evoke this all of the artist. This actually felt like it was a movie back in the day, and I appreciated that so so much. The part, and again, the acting was phenomenal from all across the world. Charles Dance, Amanda Seyfried, um, uh, and Gary Oldman were highlights of this for me. And then the dialogue I thought was really, really good too. It's where the actual structure, I just did not care. I don't know if they didn't let us really truly get into Mank's head or whatnot. I'm still not sure why it didn't grasp me. I need to think on that even harder. But there was something about it that really disconnected it for me. And maybe my expectations were way too high, which I think might have been the case because this is David Fincher and it's about uh, uh, Mankiewicz, which I, or Mankiewicz, I keep wanting to call him Mankiewicz, but it's Mankiewicz. And I keep wanting to, you know, sing its praises, but my expectations were probably too high and it fell off the cliff because of how excited I was for Mank. 
But at the same time, it's just something I was not engaged with from beginning to end. I was engaged with sections and how the story was told, but I don't think I'll go back anytime soon to watch it. So I guess saying I didn't like it is strong words, when in fact I should probably say I enjoyed it in parts, but it's not something I'll go back to and watch. So I think it might have been a little too harsh, my initial rhetoric. So I'll bring that back a little bit. So that's my thoughts. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I will go back to watch me. I, I mean, I actually thoroughly enjoyed this. Like, um, the like the way they did it, like that whole doing it with back in the time and Citizens Kane style. Um, it's I, somehow I, 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 it's one of those ones that I've like, oh yeah, to do it this way, just not going to work. It somehow worked good for my pick. Probably. This is one that I went into it um, because I I really don't care for Citizen Kane anyway. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, and but um, but I I, I I but I went into the sort of um, and with that mindset, I enjoyed just watching how it came about and all that, and, um, and it was just a lot of fun and I didn't expect to see Bull Knight and um in the movie not doing anything about science. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of shocking. <laughs> I mean, he didn't do anything in that little little no. but he was there, but he was he was just there. <laughs> in like a little few minutes he was in there. Was it even a was it even, was it even a few minutes? I, I, I don't know, but I mean, people have won supporting actors for less. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he ain't going to win anything, I can tell you that too, but it was cool to see. Anthony Hopkins won, like, best lead actor, and he's in, like, 16 minutes. Or True, but I don't even think Bill Nye oh. is in one minute. So I I, I would I would be curious. To look. Bill Nye? Yes, the science yes, guy. Science minute. guy? <laughs> what the? Get that man. Get that man in Oscar. <laughs> no, wait, hold my horses there, sir. Uh, but no, yes. No, that's still nay. Nay? You said many, oh. I want to, well, many and Malcolm. Because I'm not that well versed, like in 1930, 40 cinema. Like, I, I've seen, like, I haven't seen a lot of movies. I wouldn't say I have watched more than 100 movies before 1970, something like that. I'm with you, like, I'm I'm very, like, yeah. I've watched some of the classics, but I'm not very well versed in that. Yeah, but like, do you feel like you kind of missed up? Because when I was watching that movie, like, I see um, where I mean, you're able to obtain those references that I, I think I mean, they I, are. I, like, yeah, I, think I mean, I, I I wasn't that really well versed in that that era either. I've, I really haven't seen a lot of the classic stuff. Um, but I, I know there's um, but after listening to a few critics uh, reviews of it, like. Um, critically acclaimed and Damu and all that. Um, a lot of them have kind of said that the inac- historical inaccuracies kind of threw them off a little bit. Um, because I think there's a scene in which they're talking about the Universal Monster movies that, um, but some of them didn't come out till later, and to, as opposed to when that time period was actually set. Well, I feel like that 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 well, personally, that's that's a that's a little nitpicky when you're coming yeah. out in that personally, because uh, yeah. it's not to me a, a huge historical inaccuracy. Because there's always going to be liberties that have been taken, as long as the heart, like the the heart of it, which was that uh, uh, um, Herman J. Mankiewicz. Um, wait, is that his brother? I can't, I get him mixed up a lot of the time. Joseph. Uh, 
Joseph Anko. Okay, so okay, so that is it is Herman. Okay, Herman J. Mankiewicz. Um, yes, he's, he's, he's the older. His younger brother is Joseph uh, Mankiewicz, correct? Because he's the one that did classic. Okay, now I'm just see. I did not know he had an older brother who did who did Citizen Kane until like a year ago, and then I realized this movie was actually coming out. So that's why I was very confused, and I was like, okay, so Joseph. Joseph is the one that did uh, uh, All About Eve and uh, he won an Oscar before that in 1949 for one movie that I can't remember. Wings. No, Wings in 1933. Letter to Three Wives is what it was. Um, Oh, yeah, he did um, a Philadelphia story. That was for director. But anyway, like... I've seen that movie. He... uh, I didn't feel like that there was like uh, there were some things I didn't grasp upon because I haven't I'm I'm not as familiar while I am familiar about the movies not about the behind the scenes things that transpired during that time and I could tell you like you know some of those you know people like the brothers like the, the as screenwriters I knew them they talked about um like they talked about the Wizard of Oz at one point they talked about um, some various other uh, things here and there. Um, Orson Welles even being saying, hey, we're going to make a movie. Like the background of Citizen Kane, I was aware of and it, how it was written to a degree. And I think that that at its center, the historical historical accuracy needs to be there. And if they do little things here and there, it's fine by me. I don't think you need to know anything other than the fact that this was the screenwriter of Citizen Kane. And all you need to do is maybe a quick Wikipedia look personally for me. Because there are some things even I missed. I missed some things here and there when it came to name drops, which, you know, by and large, I was unaware. Like, I wasn't even unaware that, you know, that someone who owned MGM became mayor of of Los Angeles. I didn't even know something like that until I actually read it after I watched this. Um, and I think this is, you know, movies should not be taken as this has to be, this has to be like, you know, a full on biography this needs to take liberties here and there and i think I agree. That, when, whenever you're okay. dealing with a hist and this is even from someone who hasn't seen this movie just in general whenever you're dealing with um like historical films like if you're doing a documentary like as someone who took a documentary class in college like you have to report it as it happened you can't muddle with facts like if you're doing a documentary unless of course you're doing a really shitty documentary like if i was to do a documentary on orson wells i can't say orson because he wasn't born in south florida like you can't do that but if i'm doing a movie maybe if i want to have a scene of him growing up in south florida if it makes sense if if you're saying that this is not 100 what happened like i always use it's the one I always talk about because I feel like it comes up. Braveheart's one of my favorite films of all time. Oh, you load it. The title itself is historically inaccurate because William Wallace didn't even have the name Braveheart. That was, that was, uh, what's his face? The other character in the movie. Um, but if you look at that movie and take that movie, in the movie, it makes more sense to give William Wallace the name Braveheart. And all the, you know, the, I mean, the Battle of the Bridge doesn't even have a bridge in it. But it doesn't really matter because that movie, at least for me, I know we can argue about that. Emotionally, the story proves itself. And just take, I always feel like historical films are sometimes like book adaptions. You keep the things that work and you sometimes fiddle with the things that you don't really need 
Horvat can make the story flow better. You know, like that that's how I always look at historical fiction films. To me, as long as it's not bordering on the line of propaganda, then I think you are in a safe place because the last thing we need is that it's propaganda as a historical figure, personally for me. Um but I think this this had a nice balance between, you know, making sure that there was a story that needed to be told as well as keeping historical accuracies intact while keeping while fudging a little bit of the dates here and there, which I think fudging dates is a-okay in my mind when it comes to making films. Because, in fact, making cinema is not something that needs to be done as a science. It is not a science. It is an art. And it doesn't need to be 100% as exact. It needs what it needs to be is be the exact emotion you're looking for while remaining true to the characters you are attempting to portray and true to the events. So, if you don't question a painting, if you don't question a painting when they have like, you know, uh, something like not a perfect square for, I don't know, a TV screen or a rectangle, don't question a film if they have a different date than there is, you know, the same thing. You're judging art. It's an expression. Um, yeah, and that's actually uh, it brings up a great point about that. Like, no one questions Bob Ross if he if he does like a tree, and it looks well, different than a tree in real life. But like, if a filmmaker does something that's a little different, then it's like shame against how dare you depict that wrong. Like, come on. Oh, yeah, at the end, you're trying to convey something. Which something needs to take liberty. I think Malcolm has a point he would like. Yes, to share. Malcolm, please. Well, I mean, I was about to say, like, I think painters get can get get away with it a lot more just because, um, like, they're not that they, um they're not always expected to paint things like as they see them. Well, Malcolm, I mean, I'll uh, say this yeah. in response to that, a great filmmaker once said that a painter uses a canvas to tell the story how they see it. A filmmaker does it with a camera. You know who that filmmaker was? That was me in high school when I was trying to be real. I said that in one of my film classes and my professor. Wow. You know, I was like, I said that to her. I said that. Like, uh, I we were talking about it. I said that line. It was like, do you know a line that a great filmmaker once said? And I, I came up with that on the spot. And she was like, who said that? I think at the time I said like, <laughs> like, who did I say? I think I said it was like Orson Welles or something. And then, because she was also in charge of our film club, I went up to her and that day and I was like, Fitz, I, I, I made that up. Orson Welles never said that. <laughs> um, but anyway, where I was going with that is yes. like, I don't have too much of an issue when it comes to historical accuracies, to, but as long as it may, um, it's not too glaring, like, um, if they want the move to set in um, 2005 and they say that Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone only was just released, then um, that would throw me out because I yeah. I know that that movie was out in 2001. The so, it's well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. well, that, well that, that's the thing, though. Like, um, as long as the historical accuracies don't throw me out too much, which they, they never did in Matt, I just sort of pointed out what sort of uh, one of the big crab lads that critics have, and, which is one, one of those things I don't always get. Yeah, and it critics nitpick on that stuff too much, and it's which, like, oh, come on. I was about to add the fact saying that some for some people like who may be very knowledgeable at that time, it may completely throw them out, and that's completely okay. Like for instance, like if there's an, an, an a, like an an, ac- an inaccuracy in some level at some sort of literature that we know and understand, we're gonna be shocked, and be like, whoa, what is this? 
So I completely get that. But anyway, we are going too far over the Mank discussion. Our thoughts on Mank generally is, yes, uh, uh, I liked it well enough. Nothing will go back on. Malcolm uh, liked it a lot. Uh, and Abe hasn't finished it yet. So his final review is not here for us. But he likes it so far. He's no, no. enjoying it. And, I was going to watch it right now before the show, but I was watching football. <laughs> what were you watching? Football. Ah. <laughs> Like foot American football soccer, or soccer? No, no, American football. Okay, there you go. Oh. I watched, I watched, oh, no, I I about the Jets earlier. Oh yeah, yeah, they won. They did? <laughs> oh my yeah, God. they won. They finally won. Wow. So this if you want some football talk my family members. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make a show. This is not a football, football talk though. Manning's no man no no not while he's in charge. You may kick me off right now if you want to talk about football, but I'm not talking about football. Um anyway. All right, so yeah, it's coming at Trinity Tree when Abe's hosting it. Uh, yes, there you go. <laughs> when there's no uh but anyway. <laughs> We've had recently this past week the Los Angeles Film Critics Association or the Los Angeles the lot wow. The Los Angeles uh Film critics announced their winners for their awards, and the New York film critics recently announced theirs as well um, this past week. So we're going to start off with one that came first, which is the New York film critics, and I'm going to go out and uh, start saying to start saying them out loud. So for best, we'll start actually we'll start uh, our way down and work our way back up. So what we have is special award to Spike Lee for inspiring the New York community with his short film New York, New York, and for advocating for a better society through cinema. Special award, Kino Lorber, hmm, for his creation of Kino Marquee, a virtual cinema distribution service that was designed to help support movie theaters, not destroy them. I was not aware about this, but I'm going to look this up afterwards. Uh, Best first film, the 40-year-old version, which I've heard good things about. Wait. Uh, Yeah, that movie is great. You mean the Steve Carell movie? No, no, version. um, It's a a Netflix movie. A 40-year-old Version. Version. Version, not version. Yes, correct. Go watch that. I'm not uh, it's on my it's on my list to watch. Okay. Uh, uh best animated feature, Wolf Walkers, which I've also heard great things about. Not Krugs 2. Not Krugs 2. <laughs> uh best foreign film. Oh no, here we go. Manning mispronouncing foreign words. Uh Bakura 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 Bakura. If it's Japanese, if it's Japanese, it has to be Bakura, right? Bakura. 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 Or it could be Bakuaru. It's B-A-C-U-R-A-U. Whatever that means. <laughs> Why am I so bad at like you know? Our Asian listener population just went down. I, I think actually no, it is actually a Brazilian. Oh, uh, well, they are Brazilian. It's a weird Western. It's a quote. A weird Western, whatever that means. It's a subgenre of the elements of another genre, usually horror, occult, fantasy, or science fiction. Holy cow, what is this? This looks amazing. Uh, either, anyway, moving on. Uh, so that one. Did they even have um, a wild Western Brazil? Um, it is, it is in Wild West inspired in some capacity. Um, but anyway, we have best nonfiction, which was time, best cinematography, small acts. Uh, whatever that is. is. a TV series on Amazon Prime. That's what it says. It, it says small acts and then all films is has in parentheses, whatever that means. That's that's new. Uh, now, this is interesting. Best Supporting Actor, Chadwick Boseman in The Five Bloods. 
Best Supporting Actress, Maria Baklova, uh, uh, Borat, subsequent movie film. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you uh, yes. No, I'm all excited about that. <laughs> Dude, she was great in that movie. That was uh, incredible. I, I don't think they saw a lot of films, but here we are. Best Actor, Delroy Lindo, to Five Bloods. Best, best Actress, Sydney Flanagan, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Best Screenplay, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Best Director, Chloe Zhao, Nomadland. And Best Film, First Cow. All right, someone did not see the way back because clearly Ben Affleck is best actor 2020. I'm about to say, well, with, with, what film, with what films came out last year? He's gonna do it, guys. He's gonna win that Oscar. You keep do you keep you keep believing that, sir. Um, okay, so the biggest thing I'm interested in is the fact of like, you know, what are some of these? Like, didn't First Cow come out earlier this year, from what I heard? Um, I was really it's an A twenty four movie. Oh, that's all I know. But it's so. so was it like actually released, or was it like one of those like streamings? Well, I, it was supposed to be. Fe- it was supposed to be theatrical, but it went on the streaming. So, I, and I think that with the Oscar rules, is like if it was supposed to be theatrical, then it counts. Um, if it did end up streaming. Yeah, because there are a lot more leniency and all that and when it comes to that. But no, it's going to be interesting to see how these films go about um, just in general, like, you know, how these critics awards, uh, um, how these critics awards translate to the actual Oscars. Because I think there's going to be some big disconnect in my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what. I mean, it's one of those ones like out of the winners. Like, um, I know after the five lads, um, Dalroy Lindo has been one that's been touted for yes. being up there for best actor. Um, he was really great in it. Like Chadwick Boseman is also another one that's been up there. I mean, if uh, Maria Bakalova from Borat, subsequent movie film, makes it into supporting actress, I'm going to be really excited about that. She was great in that. No, she was insanely good in that. Um, oh, I hope she gets nominated. Um, the thing that I don't get is. I mean, why are they treating these um, like small X moves as just one long movie? This is the People versus OJ Simpson all over again. Well, quick, but well, I want to throw this out there. If you go to the LA film critics, if you guys have looked already, uh, best picture went to Small Axe. And what's so? Uh... You're saying this is an Amazon series? Yes. What? Yeah, I mean like... it's. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it's yeah, it's one of those ones. Like, I'm not sure if it's officially a TV series or if it's a bunch series of um of movies. But if it, it's a series of movies, then pick one. Don't go. Don't but do the comment thing. Go all movies. If it's a series of movies, then why would you nominate Small Axe? If it's supposed to be like a mini series, but like, I mean, you look at like I know the new one just came out, but like Stevie King's. Um, the stand in the 90s was two episodes and they were both three hours. They're both movies essentially, but the stand was only nominated for Emmys and didn't get nominated for Oscars because it wasn't a movie. Like, that just this just seems weird. And I feel like they're trying to play some 2020 card on us. Like, now, which is interesting, I find is that each of these are in, in and of themselves their own movie which i find fascinating they were all released but they're all considered their own movie so i'm curious yeah. how to kind of finagle that around yeah i mean it's it's one of those ones like 
that that's kind of what I'm getting at there. It's like um, because they're, they're they're considered their own movie, um, they should only count as each movie separately. Um, it looks like the critics just want to go. So we liked all of them. Let's just go yeah. all movies. Um, all movies. No, all of them. We all win. Um, but yeah, because um, I can't remember how long ago, but there was that People versus OJ Simpson controversy that um, that it was actually a documentary TV series, but it got nominated yeah. under Best Documentary at the Oscars. It's like, yeah. and, so I think this is this all over again. Does that mean the last stance could get nominated for an Oscar? <laughs> a highly doubt with that quality. Highly. Uh, but anyway, the runner-up was Nomadland, as I mentioned, as I praised prior. Best director was also Chloe Zhao, Nomadland, which I'm incredibly hot, excited about. Runner-up was Steve McQueen for Small Axe. Best actor, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I have not finished yet, but from what I have seen... I am very, very happy with what I have seen with Chadwick Boseman so far. For for someone who has finished it, Malcolm, uh, what are your thoughts about, about um, Chadwick I, I mean, I, I thought it was. Um, I mean, I thought it was fine. I I wasn't I wasn't um, getting into that movie a lot. I just it to me it just seems so slow, mm. all that. But but I um but I do um like Chadwick in it. Um, I think Agreed. he is great. So. so you say it's slow and I and I check the runtime. It's isn't it just like ninety four minutes, something like that? Well yeah, well that's the thing though. It, that is the runtime, but it, it feels like it is a lot longer than that though. That that's yeah. what I was meaning yeah, by seen reviews and many of the consensus was like the performances are great with the movie, not that. Like something. I, I I like it so far. I'm not blown away, but I do agree that I've been very very impressed so far with the performances. I'm not shocked. Um, what, what was that? What, what yeah? movie is this one? Uh, it's called Mama Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix. Oh, Interesting name, I know, but it'll it'll make sense when you, if you watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I get so much. I gotta watch. I gotta at some point. Watch if you watch it, watch only... it, with Chadwick Boseman. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, um, this yeah, this could be I've, um, this could be another year in which we get um, an actor nominated in both supporting and actor because if Chadwick gets in for supporting for the Five Bloods and then best actor for this, um, yes. it could be really it could make things really interesting. You know what? What? what got, that's why I think my my head is like. They didn't give anything to Mank, and if you will think who gave uh, awards to Mank, it will be the critics, because they yeah, are the world. Usually, players. like movies about making movies, it's usually a thing. Well, or, Mank did get something no. in the critics. Best <laughs> production design. Razzies. Yeah, well deserved. Well deserved, but like you know, the acting or the script or whatever, True. you will think they will. They will start getting steam because, as we said, this is a long damn race. This is like if it's we were just back in August. So, yeah, it's gonna be a long, 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 long race. 
Um, but I will say the other uh, uh, stuff we have for best uh, best actor, Chadwick Boseman. Runner up was Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, which is something else that I need to see. Um, <sighs> praise best actress, Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. I want to uh, watch the movie for that. I do as well. It looks very good. Uh, Runner-up, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, Glenn Turman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay, I'm very... Um, I've, I've only, someone who's only seen half of it so far. What's your opinion on Glenn Turman? Malcolm. Um, I'm not going to lie. I did no idea which one they did. I mean... Lovely. He's not a name. I he's he's not a name I'd recognize. Like if you show me, a, like, if you show me a picture of, he's the pianist. Oh uh, yeah, um, he, he he was good. Like he, he's a good performance. Interesting. I'm cur- I haven't blown away yet. Pianist performance than um, what's his name from uh, Dick Tracy, Eddie Keys, played Inigo Montoya. What's this guy's name? Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, I mean, if you think better, better pianist performance than than him and Dick Tracy. I have never seen Dick Tracy, so I cannot comment. What? Uh, I've, I've never, never seen, seen Dick, Dick Tracy, Tracy either. Oh my god! What am I? Hey, I will not comment. What did he say? You will not comment. Watch Dick Tracy. El Pacino got nominated for best supporting actor for that movie. Okay. As Big Wait, Boy did he? Yeah, he got nominated. Wow. The year that Joe Pesci won for um for Goodfellas, he got nominated for for uh for Dick Tracy as Big Boy Caprice. Have I convinced you there? It has Oscar nominations. Go watch. <laughs> I it. convinced you. I also think it won for makeup in that year. I think. I don't know. Wow, I did not know about this. Um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that is uh, that's uh, a random movie recommendation. Random movie of the day. Da, 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 da. Dick Tracy. So we're all gonna have to see it now. Uh, it is now law. But also runner up, uh, Paul Racy, Sound of Metal, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Yoo Jung Yoon, uh, Woo Jung Woo Jung uh, Min. Okay, so for those who Minari. don't know, Minari. It is Minari. I think so. I don't know. Okay. Minari. All right, I'm going to go with it. Minari, final answer. Uh, Runner-up, Amanda Seyfried, Mank. So she could, she could at the end of the day, walk away with her first Oscar nomination. I'd be very happy for her. Um, She's going to be in the, being the winner. I think so. You think so? And I'm going to, yeah. Cause I'm gonna she gonna is Who's in the race? Wonder Woman? I just assumed she nominated. It's going to be Olivia Colman, right? And, for uh, the father? For the father, yeah. That's, I would be very uh, shocked I, if she's won one already. Yeah, she won't yeah. win that. That's, that's, that's my point. Ah. Who else? Who is uh, going to uh, be I mean, it, it's going to be interesting because, uh, once again, we're going to have another, like, foreign actress in the, um, in the, in the race with, um, I'm not going to go top it down soon. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> from Bidoy. Yeah, but we know how hard it's for foreign language actors like to be even nominated for those awards. Yeah, well, I know it's a different right. race right now and everything. Was but it's Roma. like yeah. when Marina del, Marina del Marina del Pilar. I don't know the, from Roma, the supporting yes. actress and yeah. and Galita were nominated. It was like two of them got nominated. Like 
every time we try to, like for Parasite, they try to campaign for an, a specific actor for, uh, what's the name of the woman from the the farewell? The grandmother? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, they try to campaign for her. It's incredibly hard for them mm -hmm. like, to nominate yeah. the actor. Yeah. And it's sad because there's some great performance out there. But unless well, you have the money of a big company like a Netflix or whatever big studio, it's gonna it's extremely well, hard. And that's the problem with the Oscars now is it's essentially it's all about campaigning. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, well, it's been I that mean, since 1990s, something like that. Since uh, yeah, really, the Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein was really the first one. Yeah, really struck that way the, of campaigning, and it paid off for him in the 90s so many times. I mean, where I was going with it is with these um, new rules that the Oscars are putting into place, it, it's ha going to help a lot of these um, foreign actors slash actresses maybe get more um, recognition in the Oscars' eyes now um, than they, what they might have done in the past. Oh, yeah. We, we saw that change last year with Parasite winning. Well, at least they wanted to see it. Like, we saw it, like, JT is working for like how much time is it gonna take to break the next one that when they start winning and you know yeah. it's uh, Roberto Benini and who else before after before before him and oh Martin Cotillard for uh uh Lavion Rose yeah and I cannot recall any other close to that one. Uh, I mean for, for a foreign language film I'm trying to think of like I mean if you can want to count. Well, if we're talking about foreign performances or just foreign, like, you know, actors? No, of performances. Some... Performances. performances. I'd say, because we, we could have gone uh, Jean Dujardin for the artist, but other than, other than that, I can't remember. Like, it's an American yeah, film, right? Whatever it was, it's an American film. And Parasite was neon, and they accomplished it. But Parasite, I think Parasite is way more, like, crowd-pleasing than Roma was, you know? Like, Roma is a little bit heavy. As a watcher, and Paris, I watches boom, boom, they he do with everything, and it works perfectly. Well, except the finale, because that's, that's my only problem with the film. But yeah. it's just uh, and you see those buyers being breaking out, and eventually, I don't know, in 50, 60 years, it's gonna be normal to watch films, I don't know, from Egypt or whatever, break out in those performances. But like, we're saying, like, oh, she's going to win the actress. I find it hard to say, and not because she doesn't deserve it, but because of the state of the Oscars right now and the industry as a whole. Interesting, interestingly enough, what I find fascinating is that um, if you go down to Best Cinematography, sorry, Best Editing for the LA Film Critics, uh, Best Editing went to The Father, which was edited apparently by Yorgos Lanthimos. Where 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 do we know him from, guys? The well, favorite. The lobster. Oh, the lobster. Uh, both of them. I both correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The lobster, the favorite. Yeah, yeah. There's one with um. <laughs> was it him? Is it him? Are you a hundred percent sure? Because I don't know. Because I, I, I saw a tweet about them winning, but I was I like, seen the lobster. I've not seen the favorite. But you Is know what we're talking about. Right? Sure. Oh well, Matt. It must say homework. Um, okay, the your Yorgos Lamprinos. It could be a, someone completely different with a really very similar name, but I saw that immediately and I was like, hold up, uh, now you, you're wrong. 
Jorvis has only edited a film uh, once, and that's in 1995. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Okay, so apparently they are literally the exact same, say, for one letter instead of a G. Oh, sorry, instead of a TH, it is a P. It's Lanthimos instead of Lanthimos. <laughs> so they're both Yorgos. Confused pieces of the I don't know what's happening, but I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the one I found really interesting was the animated feature race where, like, Wolfwalkers um, won that, but Soul was the winner up, which. Mm-hmm. Could be the interesting things when it comes to the Oscars, the animated race, because uh, well, that and there really wasn't a lot of animated movies. Um, that's just oh, so probably good, so no, probably there's been a good amount of animated movies, but I have to tell you something they're all bad to mediocre at best because I watch the crew and I like it, but because it has nice music and nice visuals, like as a kid, I would love it, but like. Quality, like this hasn't been any animated film that I watched this year that I can recall. Oh. Like, oh, this is I was this Punchbowl movie wasn't that good, Scoop wasn't that good, Cold War 2 wasn't that good. Like, yes, yeah, against Ryan made films for the Oscars this year, I feel like, or any award yeah. show this year, it's gonna be really slim pickings. <laughs> I will, I will. although, just wait for 2022 for Boss Baby 2 to be dominated. Oh, well, no. I mean, I mean you don't got to be in that conversation. Maybe you about my, yeah. If you complain about my love of Shrek 2 and uh, Mamma Mia, here we go again. If we start talking about the boss baby and the levels of depth that movie has, we're going to get in a whole conversation because this show has gone way longer than we thought we were. Yes. So we can continue. We need to do a whole gun with the wind. I'm boss baby. Just boss baby. Never. Okay, no so. All right, so we're going to wrap, start wrapping this up, guys. We're going to cut the fact of, okay, so uh, the Oscars, just to let everyone know, the Oscars will, will be held in person. How that will be the case, we don't know because it will be in April. Um, now, right now, an update for a Variety article that was announced on December 1st, I believe. It is... Sources say the Motion Picture Academy is currently exploring how an in-person ceremony could work next spring, given the state of the COVID-19 pandemic. So they are currently, they want to do it, but they're currently trying to figure out how that can be possible because they do not want it to be just a single global, a uh, single virtual they event. Have, they haven't announced a host yet, right? What was that? I, I, no, I, 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 they usually don't mm-hmm. announce a host this early anyway for the Oscars. I mean, they went hostless the last two years, so. No, they haven't. Yeah. I think they should just. Um, but um, like me personally, um, I think what they might do is um, is just have the nominees in theater and maybe um, for, um, for any family they might want to invite and have them sort of spaced out apart around the audience, whether or not mm-hmm. that works. I um, mean, we're four months away, and according to whatever the government is saying right now, like. There's going to be vaccines and everything. But then there's going to give me the 100-day mandatory by uh, President or President-elect Biden, according to what he says. Mm-hmm. And if I know, if my math is not incorrect, by April, it's 
haven't been 100 days after January because March and there's 58, so that will be on tomato. Well, yeah, January, February. Well, January, February, and March would be over 90 days, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know which one. Yeah, but but it's uh, last week of January. Yes, but regardless, I don't see them actually doing an in-person event when it comes to how they used to do it. Either way, they're going to scale it down. Oh, no way. You're yeah, gonna have yeah. you're gonna have you, your nominee and then your guest, and they're not gonna have probably any like little people like little little bits and pieces. John here Stamos and there, like, will not weirdly be there. He will not uh, weirdly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 mean I mean, what they could do um, is like what they did with the Allen show. Like, um, like I know in the Allen show they've had a mixture of people there, um, live and and. So that 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 may be um like you'll have like your nominee and a guest there. Then you'll have a couple of screens where it shows most talk shows. Maybe Martin, Martin, uh, maybe Martin Freeman and um James McAvoy is two random people on a screen. Um, just just sort of make the um for aesthetic for especially when it comes to camera wise, like so it looks like. Uh, there's no empty seats. Like these, these are all people with money, and they're probably gonna get vaccinated as soon as they. Get, well, I mean, look, you've seen the people who are already getting vaccinated first, and would be shocked if Hollywood elites are. Right. Yeah. So, uh, that, okay, uh, that said, though, I will say that said, if they are gonna get vaccinated first, those people who are older, you have to think about all those people who are below the lines, who are not the actors and the directors. What are we gonna do about those people who are nominated? Those people who will not be able to get to the front of the line. Those people who are, you know, the cinematographers. Those people who are the, uh, just the, the editors. Like, they're not probably going to be in the front of the line unless they are, of course, yeah. you know, uh, they are like, you know, in the because um, I know the next round of batches is going to be those who are 75 and up. So Roger Deakins might get his. But like, I don't I don't see so, so weird. I I don't know, because the other thing I think and Malcolm brought this up, you know, like presenters, like who's going to be presenting the awards? You know, if you're trying to slim it down, like where it, I just, I don't know. I, I again, mostly all things are in April, yes. but from right, well, now, yeah, it just seems so. It just seems like a bad decision ultimately. Well, I mean, like even, I mean, even with the presenters, like maybe have them backstage or separate an area, just, just so that they're, um, because I think. Like the, I think the main thing is even if the, with the vaccinations getting rolled out and whether or not Hollywood elite are going to be at the top of the line or not, um, they'll probably still take the precautions for that year because a mm-hmm. lot of the time, um, if, especially this early on, I think one of the concerns are um, how effective it will be. That I don't think they'll want to, they're not going to take any risks until they know for sure that the vaccination has worked. Um, yeah. Um, so they probably it's probably they're still probably going to take some kind of precautions just on the off chance that the vaccination doesn't hold as long as they'd like. Yes. Um, I'm going full biology thing, but the thing with the flu is that it's a virus that evolves every two years, and they predict yeah. that at the beginning of the year every time, like they try to get the cold front, like oh this is going to happen because they take from the animal, you know, the bird flu. That's why yeah. it's going like that. They try to predict that and they change it. And the thing is, if you kill the virus, 
on a way like everybody getting vaccinated, which is going to be like impossible. It's less possible to be mutated. That's why you see mutations like in, uh, it's more common to see mutations in, in species that reproduce faster than we are because one generation of us is 25 days. A generation for a fly, it's going to be 27. That's why uh, 27. It's going to be a week. That's why when you see flies, you know, when you put yeah. insecticide, that's why they become immune to it because they can generate those mutations faster than we do. And any species, like anything that goes has DNA or RNA, which is genetic code. If you stop that thing to growing, it's going to be less uh, effective. That's why bacteria, you become immune to antibiotics. Why? Because bacteria are able to mutate faster than we as humans are. Hmm. So um, that's why I studied biology. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to another new show, Biology Talk with host Abe. Hey, hey. <laughs> the only one who really should be talking about this stuff because I don't know about you, Malcolm or Manning, but the communications major here should be the last one to talk about science shit, unless I it's mean, like movie science. All I can do is reiterate what I have been told by other scientists. I cannot, in fact, tell me what I cannot, in fact, tell people unless I've heard from scientists themselves. So that's all I can offer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but anyway, but I'm anyway, not even a scientist right now, but like I, I, I can tell you uh, a species of insect based on how they look. So. That's. Uh, but anyway, back to the Oscars. Yes, um, Moving on. All right, so Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise this year, uh, this year, this one, well, this year also uh, has been feeling the pressure of this year finally, and I think he uh, has been a kettle that has been boiling over until finally he popped, and this kind of happened today or today this past week, um, when he was on the set of Mission Impossible Seven, and two crew members were not properly social distancing. Were they wearing masks? I'm not sure. I didn't read that, but regardless, something finally snapped um, in Tom Cruise, and he let those. Um, crew members have it again we don't know who recorded it we don't know who were the people he was yelling at but somehow for all those i'm sure all of us have heard the rant that he went on uh, this past week um uh now there has been a debate going on if of course some of these people deserved what he said or if like you know if he might have gone a little overboard when you look into that we are of course in a year where we have to deal with COVID-19. We have to change the way that the, that films are being made to even being made films because things are obviously right now very tentious uh, or the tension is very high. It's very contentious, excuse me, but the tension is high. And one misstep of someone getting COVID, you could shut the entire movie down. And I know that people don't want that because I know that Tom Cruise himself, I think he like bought a boat out somewhere in Europe for these people to stay in Italy uh, so they wouldn't have to um, uh, leave or leave, go to separate hotels so they could keep themselves in a type of quarantine bubble almost. He is putting his money and time into this. And I think after seeing this and maybe it wasn't the first time, he finally snapped and kind of said that what we are doing uh, quotes range from the fact of like people are counting on us to... Um, uh, people are losing their jobs if we don't do this. We're here because of them. And the debate goes around as, was this too far or was this just right? For me personally, I have my thoughts um, that I've been mulling over with uh, um, uh, 
my loved ones this past week, my girlfriend and sister and people I've talked with. I want to hear what you guys' thoughts are on Tom Cruise's well-justified or overboard response to his crew members not taking COVID-19 precautions seriously. Uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start Matt. Um, we'll say last since you are uh, the biggest Tom Cruise fan here. So Malcolm, you about to speak? Well, yeah. Um, like when I heard this one, like I, I was a little bit taken back because I thought Tom Cruise was a cruisy person to know, um, but. But with that being being said, um, <laughs> but with that being said, with that being said, um, I don't think it was too too overboard. Um, I think everyone's really making it too big of a deal. Honestly, I think I think it's more the pressure because so many places have had to close down um, for long periods of time, and um, and even like st- production. Like set film sets were closed down for a period of time, and when they so sad sort of opening up the precautions, I think it's partly pressure, but I think it's partly because Tom Cruise doesn't want to see um, the movie delayed um, any more than in it longer than it, ha- it should have him just wants it done. And and because um, I know it, it's probably a frustration a lot of people really have um, in general. Um, with people going out um, maskless, not caring about wearing masks and the precautions stuff and so like, uh, so I think it was justified. Um, and yeah, um, there's not really much more I really have to say about it. Hey, what are your thoughts on it when you heard this? Was this something you're like, ah, oh, how could he? Just t- this Tom Cruise guy. It's no, just like. I have this thing about myself that I use a lot of curse words and I've been noticed lately in my language. They become normal for me. So when I hear somebody cursing somebody, it's like meaningless. It's, it's, like for me, I can tell you matter fucking in 10 minutes, but I can understand how people say it. Well, however, I will say, oh, sorry, you better say however. Go ahead, go ahead. Is it justified? Sure, he has his reasons because I think if we could, well, every time we saw somebody with a mask, uh, without a mask, sorry, we will try to yell the exact same thing because it's so tiring. Like, because you're doing a party or a gathering without, you know, I know we all frustrated with this. Of, like, we cannot go out like to a restaurant and everything, and and as someone that's, that. Uh, comes like as Tom Cruise that he loves the movie industry so much. Like if you see interviews with him, like he says, I watch a movie every night and everything. Like he truly loves what he does. Sure, he's Scientology, but that's another thing. And sure, I think we all have to be jealous sometimes for us to understand. Like I don't know if the article says if like that has happened. Like like when you're being. If you're a parent, you know, like I I have many nieces and nephews and I sometimes see my my sister or my cousin saying, Be quiet to to their kid. Be quiet. By the fourth, third time, it's you're gonna raise his voice. But that's the relationship with between a parent and a kid. And I think it's different. And I think it's where a good argument comes out. You're in a professional environment. And not because you're above somebody, you have to yell at somebody. Is it justified? Do I get the reasoning behind it? 
Yes. Do I think was he wrong? Probably, like, you shouldn't yell at anybody in a professional environment like that mm -hmm. because you're both adults and you can talk about it. But frustration is hard, and especially when you have so much money in the line. And Tom Cruise said it. Like, there's people that are going to love their jobs. There's people that are going to do that. There's people that are going to get that. And I think it's where you understand it. Because sometimes we say, oh, he did that thing bad. Anybody. Like, mm -hmm. he punched that. But, but you don't get, like, oh, like, the what the other person feels. You know, when we watch videos of anybody punching somebody, and then you hear the story behind anything, they're like, well, you kind of got him. You kind of deserve it. Do they deserve to be jailed? No. But you understand the reasoning. So it's like, here both, both sides have an argument and everything. I think both of them are right, but I don't think one makes one over the other. I think he has a point. I think when I first heard it for the first time, I was like, yeah, like if we could have somebody in power as like president, you suck right now, that could be half of that. Like we could be better as, well, the United States, I'm in Mexico right now because life, but you know what I care? Like I care about the politics because where, guess what? Where I pay my taxes in the United States, not in Mexico. That. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, we need that, but like it's that power struggle. How can you that pay that earn $50 million per movie can be killing at somebody that earns 15 an hour? So it's that hard thing of eh, who, who's I don't think this right or wrong, but I think it's understanding from the, both sides of the argument. And you know, five people are uh, quit over that, so and uh, I don't know, I'm not mourning. Hollywood gossip, but I've never heard some, something about Tom Cruise doing anything bad on a set. Like, when people talk about Tom Cruise, like, he's a, he's just one of many, and I don't think that makes Tom Cruise a villain. That yeah. Make the other people villains, because we all make mistakes, and we have justification. But the frustration is understood for me, and I just see it like he, he had a breaking point, and we all have it. Like, sometimes we all have it. We tell our people because we just had a bad day, and he was having a bad day, that's no, and I, I think it's very astute and very wise observation, the fact if it was in a professional s setting. Before I let Matt uh, speak upon this, I just wanted to add my two cents in here and that I do when I first heard it, it was it felt very cathartic in a way. It felt very cathartic because like this is stuff you want to say. The content is what stuff you want to say to people who are, are just aren't getting it. We just aren't getting the fact that if you just wear a mask and social distance, we could have not been in the place that we are today. Do you want to see this movie shut down? Do you want to lose your job? Do you want me to do you want me to lose my job? Do you want to lose everyone to lose their homes and everything? No, you don't. And you don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. No one here wants to see that. And if we can't take this seriously, there will be consequences. This sounds like a man who has been saying this for some time, ever since they have originally started filming and they were first shut down last um this past uh, year. And I think this was him reaching a breaking point saying like, guys, what aren't you getting? Cause I, I feel like Tom Cruise knowing is the type of person to take this very seriously. Um, he's a very, he's a very intense person. He seems like, and this is something he probably, he probably takes very, very, very seriously up to like notch 110 or whatnot. And I think this was a point that, as you said, Abe, this was a breaking point and we all have it. 
And I don't fault him whatsoever. I understand completely. And I think sometimes you'll have to get in the face of some people who aren't listening and just to be like, hey, listen to me. Listen, not because I hate you, but because I want this to succeed. You're doing something stupid. And I think that's an important thing that, that needs to happen. But that said, this is a very professional environment and you are in a position of power above these employees. You have so much more to them. And while these people are doing something very stupid, you know, um, you, um, you do not need to abuse that power. You do not need to abuse that power by yelling at these people in a way that where, of course, it, they might totally understand now. They may never do this again. But now after hearing, reading some uh, articles and whatnot, some people apparently quit after he had another tirade uh, after the audio was leaked. Um, which is very unlike Tom Cruise, as, as, as Abe said, we don't hear him yelling at crew members. He's not a Christian Bale person where he's like, bah, how, how dare you try to do something like that? Bah. Um, you my lights down in the middle of a scene. He's not that. Tom Cruise is yelling at him from a place of like, people are going to lose their jobs because of this. It, wasn't, it, didn't, it didn't come from a place that felt selfish, but you were in a position of power and I would like it if you came from a place of like, hey, don't do this. And it's a very dubious thing, I know, because sometimes they may not get it if you don't do that. But if like your boss started yelling at you like that and you're in the middle of work, it is a power dynamic that becomes dubious at best. Um, and the professional environment, it, sh it shouldn't be like that. But we're in a time right now that is very, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's nebulous and it's very difficult. And we're all at a boiling point. There's a great article in Variety, like, I think it's Friday where we're starting to, no, 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 excuse me. I think it's uh, Atlantic where they're talking about what this means for Hollywood and people are reaching a boiling point. People are so nervous on a street. They have a amount of anxiety that is even more anxious because they can't make a misstep because if they get COVID, it's over. It is over for that movie for X amount of time. And that is more money going down because someone got COVID and was careless. And I understand why he's upset. It would make me upset too. And I think I'm, I'm not, not going to fault him for doing that because of this extenuating circumstances. And you have to think about that. Um, now we can fault him for Scientology, but that's another topic in and of itself. Uh, how Tom, you and your Scientology, but yeah, no, in, in, in this statement, in this way, it feels like he is a frustrated man taking this seriously when he sees other people not. And should he have yelled at them like that? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he could have taken it down from like a 21 to like a 10. But regardless, I think the content, what he said was good. Now, Matt, the floor is yours. What is your thought? Um, yeah. So, First off, Manning mentioned I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. Absolutely none of what I'm about to say comes except for talking about, I guess, Tom Cruise behind the scenes, like in other films, comes from me being a fan of his. If we were talking about this being Denzel Washington or I'm just around Ben Affleck or Matt Damon or someone, I'd probably be saying the exact same thing. I think that the content of what he said was 100% on point. Um, we have seen so many movies get shut down because people are being careless. And he has invested so much time and money trying to ensure that this production can continue to happen and people can continue to be employed. And I 100% believe that he is up every night talking to the producers and the investors, letting them, you know, making sure that this movie can keep going and just seeing people 
not social distancing and wearing their mask and everything, it, you know, like that's going to break someone. And, you know, I, I, I just, you know, because all this sort of uh, broke out on Twitter and everything and, and, you know, people talk about, you know, how much Tom Cruise makes and all this, but my, my whole thing with that is just like, at what point, at, at what paycheck are you not allowed to have very human emotions and make mistakes like we all do, like get to a breaking point and do something that maybe under other circumstances you would not do. And I think that's what happened here. I think Tom got to a breaking point and did something that if you know anything about his past, he does not do this normally. This is, he's not one of those guys who normally screams at people and everything. I think he just got to a breaking point. I think, you know, again, I haven't read anything about if anyone has interviewed Tom following up on this, but I'm sure he doesn't, isn't happy that he did that, you know, in, in the same way that like, you know, if a teacher screams at a kid for doing something bad, does the teacher, is the teacher always happy that they did that? No, maybe sometimes. Um, I I think the the problem with all this, and I think Twitter was the big place where I saw this happening, was I think it really this whole thing got away from the Tom Cruise just broke for a very good reason, and he was susceptible to very human things of stress and anger for something that we all are. Um, I think the problem was that at least on Twitter, at least in the sphere that we're all kind of in, I felt like there was a clear line between you were either like hero worshiping Tom Cruise for this or you were vilifying him. And I think the problem with that is, is like Abe said, not every one of those is right. You know, saying that we have to play this in Walmarts around the world and everything, that's not right. Nor is it saying that Tom Cruise is a, a piece of shit for doing this either. I, I think that this exists in a very gray area to where the content of what he's saying is so on point. How he went about expressing that was probably not the best way. And I'm sure if you ask him, it probably would not be his first choice either. But he is, it doesn't matter what his net worth is. is He's a human, and we all are prone to this stuff. I know in my life there have been times when I've screamed at my brother or my sister or my parents when I was really stressed. And I, I come home, my job is not very fun. And there are days when I come home after a really bad day, and it takes just a little thing to have me crack. Is that good that I scream at my family? No. Is it good that Tom Cruise screamed at these people? No. What is good is that what he expressed is so on point and so true. His, he has invested his own time and money to really ensure that this movie can happen, that all these people can be employed at a time when there are people who are not in the film industry who would love to be working on that movie. Because there are people right now in our country who can't pay their rent and are losing their homes. So... Yeah, so ultimately, I think the content of what he said was so on point. How he went about it was maybe not the greatest thing, but I'll end with 
funnily enough, a quote from Christian Bale from Batman Begins, which is, people need dramatic examples to shake him out of apathy. That is what I'll say about that. I thought you were going to say from Christian Bale from the set of Terminator Salvation. No. No. I'd love to hear what, how you would use that in a sentence. Um, Some people just would just like to watch the movie. I guess when those people quit, Tom said you and me are done professionally for this set. Okay, I would. there you go. I, I mean... Working in there. You and me are done professionally from the set. Look, right. you're a nice guy. You're a nice guy. Shoot me. You're fucking done professionally. I never had GPS <laughs> like this before. No, let's not wait five minutes. Let's go again. Why is he uh, walking behind man. Bryce in the scene? What a man. What a, what a, what a. Listen to that rant too. I actually, I lost it. It was on my own computer, but I once edited together a bunch of clips of um, Christian Bale from, because at the time there was only Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, but all scenes, but it's that dialogue going through that. So it's like Bruce Wayne screaming at Alfred. Saying all those lines. <laughs> wow. Wow. I think, I think you need to do something like that for a Tom Cruise movie now. Yeah, we need to do that. People are counting on us. <laughs> yeah, just even harder. tomorrow People or something. Are counting on us. Oh, maybe. Maybe. That'd I be great. <laughs> but anyway, this has gone on way, way too long, as we all know. Who knows? I might break this into two separate episodes. I may not. I don't know. We'll see, because I will have to edit this when we will find out by then. But anyway, I want to thank my panelists for being here. So where can they find you, Matt? Uh, you. Oh, wow. I'm not used to going first on these things. Uh, you guys, as always, can find me at Kearns underscore Matthew on Twitter, MattMovie611 on YouTube, Patreon slash Kearns underscore Matthew. If you like my content and you want to pay me for it, please. Um, uh, I also host two shows uh on this network the first one is second look uh episode dropped last week uh on die hard 2 uh please go check that out share it around uh and my new show uh fandom podcast uh first episode went out last month and hopefully uh the next episode will be coming out after the new year and it will be on indiana jones um thank you for having me man i always i always enjoy guesting on this show well thank you matt for being here and so for the regular panelist uh, malcolm close where can we find you um you can find me on um tape reductions hosting uh random late night at tape three all of them both of them will be back in um the new year random's coming will be with top 12 movies of 2020 um you can find me over on Formula Host, Formula Classic, and Formula Random. And I may have a couple of new shows um, in the works for Take 3 that um, I'm planning on doing next year. Um, haven't quite finalized the names because I don't, they don't have names yet. So, yeah. That is A-okay. And then Abe, sir, where can the good people find you? And you are eating a lollipop right now. <laughs> this episode of Gong with a Win was uh, sponsored by... Oh, really? Fantasy, MGS.com for all your movie trivia showdown fantasy needs. <laughs> uh, uh, chili covered lollipop. Uh, I don't know. Just kidding. I, I was hungry and I wanted something to come my. That was a good lollipop. I'm hungry. 
You can follow me Twitter. You can follow me at Abraham3025. And you cannot add me on Facebook because I don't care about that. You should get up on my As always. As always, sir. All right, everyone, that is Gone with the Wind. So wear your mask, social distance, wash your hands, stay at home if you have to. And I thank you all for listening to this podcast. So thank you. We're counting on you. We're counting on you. you.